There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. This is our Monday edition of the podcast as we begin a new week here on the podcast. Certainly we're thankful for each of you that listen. We're thankful that the uh, Word of God has gone forth through this podcast now for well over a year. I think we're in our 16th month recording, soon to start our 17th month, and how we thank the Lord for that. On a personal note, just to let you know, we will be down in Waldorf, Maryland this coming Sunday. I appreciate you praying for those services. And I met Brother Black out in West Virginia some 16 years ago when I first started out in evangelism. And so we're thankful for that door is open for us in Waldorf. Looking forward to those services. Looking forward to the meeting there. Please pray for the services down there. And I'd also like to let you know, we've talked about getting ahead on the podcast. We're getting ready to travel here in about three weeks. And so we certainly have looked forward to getting ahead on the podcast. And we're recording this on Sunday, the 23rd of April for Monday, the 24th podcast. So in 12 hours, this podcast will go live. So we've not gotten ahead, but we're trying to get ahead on the podcast. And so we certainly are thankful uh, that we can uh, even record. We're thankful for the time God has given us to study, to prepare, and then to record these podcasts. On a slightly different note, let me just say this. There are many folks that have contacted us in recent weeks, especially about the podcast, we haven't got as much feedback on Joe because I realize we're in some heavy things. Uh, we're in things that are pretty deep waters. We're trying to be careful. We're trying to be cognizant of that. We're trying not to bury folks. And please, if you have any question, anything at all, you can contact us. Feel free to reach out to us. can ask anything, uh, whether it's, it's derogatory towards us, whether it's demeaning to the ministry, whether it's something you just don't understand, whether it shames you or shames me. Feel free to reach out and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. But please just don't go uh, not understanding or not knowing and in the pride of life have refused to understand what God is saying. We'll try to best to under- explain these things. We try to explain them on the podcast. And I only say that because I know we're treading in some pretty deep waters. We're in some pretty thick things with the book of Job. And I need each of us to listen to make application where we need application made. I don't try to pretend like it's something else than what it is. It is just a daily doctrine devotional. It's about 15 minutes normally to try to help you with a doctrinal issue, try to help you with something from the Word of God. And uh, sometimes you're in chapters that need a little explanation. Sometimes you're in places that need much explanation. Today, Job speaks in Job chapter 12, and I don't need a lot of explanation. Uh, he speaks, and what he says is very straightforward. There are some references we'll look at with this. But Job answered in verse 1 and said, no doubt, but... Ye are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. And so again, he responds now to the accusation, really, that's been made. And then uh, the things that he spoke right of, Zophar spoke right of. And Zophar spoke these things according to the word of God. Uh, But again, he's been accusing Job. And so Job challenges him with that. He said, wisdom shall die with you, but I have understanding as well as you. And that's where Job is at. He's saying, I'm in this calamity, 
And he's going to go on this chapter. He's going to he's going to contrast his calamity with others. And I don't think that's necessarily a wrong thing to do because it could be any one of us. And that's something we each much understand. I spoke with a lady just recently who's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And as I spoke with her, she had just resigned to that faith. She was accepting of every day God had given her. And then when I spoke with her husband, he was accepting of that. He just had come to the acceptance that his wife is not going to live long. And they had resigned themselves to this. And they're going to enjoy each day and each sunshine. And realizing that by this time next year, the odds of her being here are slim to none. And they just accepted that. And yet there are so many people that they think that they're above that. They think that their life is going to be beyond that. I recently read an obituary of a man, uh, again, 43 years old. I spoke of that the other day, much younger than myself. And I've attended funerals of those that were killed in automobile accidents, 15, 16 years old. It's not uncommon. And so these calamities of life come upon all of us. Uh, The horrors of cancer can come upon all of us. But Job rightfully speaks of that in a little bit when he talks about these things. But he said, I have understanding as well as you. I am not inferior to you. Yea, who knoweth not such things as these? Now, the statement he makes there is something that could probably stand and preach here for quite a while. Because uh, there's no one inferior to any of us. I'm not a better person because I'm an evangelist. I am not a better person because I have a wife. I'm not a better person because I have, a ch- I have children. I'm not a better person because I'm financially well off. I'm not a better person because I'm so good looking. I'm not a better person because I'm so smart. I'm not a better person because I have a better job than you. I'm not a better person because of who I am. I'm not a better person because of what I am. I'm not a better person because of my pedigree. And yet I wasn't invited to the coronation. And yet many of you were not invited to the coronation. It doesn't make you a better person. Those that are invited aren't better people. And so that's how we view things. We see things from man's perspective. Oh, there's a good job, a good family, good-looking couple, nice couple, wonderful children. Man, they got wealth, all the things. But you realize cancer can still come, heart attacks can still come, strokes can still come, diseases can still come. I've known parents that have lost two children. And that's pretty uncommon today, but we don't live in Wesley's day. We don't live in the 17, early 1800s, when sometimes four out of nine children would die in one winter uh, because of disease. We don't live in those days. We know people that have had at least two children die. I I had a testimony from a lady one time in the house of God, and I was doing a Veterans Day uh, service, and I asked, I said, how many of you have lost a member to war? And a member of your family. And this lady raised her hand as she spoke and she was in her 80s at that time. And she said, I lost three brothers in World War II. And again, it was just kind of a quietness in the service. It's an unusual thing to think that her mother lost three sons in World War II in a year and a half. You don't see those things today. It's very uncommon that yet it does happen, especially in third world countries, but it happens in America. There are families just plagued with things like this. There are families that go through things like Therefore, you and I are not any better off because we have health. My position, it doesn't put me in a place. They say, well, Tim McVeigh, he's a great evangelist. And I never heard that. But if, if somebody says something like that, and you say, oh, he's a great, you know, this, and then a calamity comes upon Tim McVeigh. There are those that return their back because they say, well, certainly this thing must be of God. And certainly because he's, are you any better than me? Is he any better than us? No. And therefore, we must not puff up with pride. We not, must not resist the things of God with pride because if we are proud, God's going to resist us. And he says, he says, who knoweth not such things as these? I am as one mocked of his neighbor who calleth upon God, and he answereth him. The just upright man is laughed to scorn. 
And Job is speaking well. The word of God told us he was an upright man. And Job calls himself an upright man. He was laughed to scorn. But you begin to see again, you see those things that are prophetic there. The just upright man laughed to scorn. They mocked him and scoffed upon Jesus Christ. They smote him upon the face. He was a just man. He was an upright man. And he's mocked of his neighbor. But yet he called upon God and God answered him. That's what Job is saying here. And I I personally have visited people that were absolutely sick in the hospital. I mean, sick to the point uh, that they were almost, almost difficult for me to be around. And that's me being very careful saying that. They were so sick, the odors and the frailty and the disease and the the skin and just everything was sickly. Everything was vile. Everything externally was so awful. And I know there's times when I was a young Christian, especially I'd go to the hospital and I'd visit people with tumors and a man I knew that was dying of brain cancer. And he was just so awful in that condition. All of a sudden he'd scream out in pain. And I was just mortified. I didn't know how to handle that. I never dealt with things like this before. But what it finally came to the reckoning is this could be me. This could be me, the just man. This could be me that's saved, me that calls upon God. This could be my life. And this could be your life. And yet Job's friends speak against him and it because of his position, because of his condition. And they say this calamity is brought upon Job by himself. And so Job does begin to defend himself. Job does show his patience here, but he's explaining to them, listen, I've called upon God, but yet the upright man has laughed to scorn. They're looking at me and they're looking at the calamity of my life. Such is weakness because men only see weakness. They don't see the strength of a man. They only see the weakness of a man. And now they see physical strength. You know, they say, oh, my, what a great weightlifter. Oh, what a mighty grappler he is. Oh, what a strong man. But they cannot see spiritual strength. What they do see is they see weakness. And they see physical weakness. They attribute that to spiritual weakness. That man that lays upon his bed, they attribute it to spiritual weakness. That man that's dying, they attribute it to spiritual weakness. But there's no weakness in that. That's the frailty of the flesh. And that's what Job is addressing here. He that is ready to slip with his feet is as a lamp despised. In the thought of him that is at ease. Now he addresses here what Asaph addressed in Psalm 73, that well-known Psalm. Why? Because Job's feet have slipped. He's not the man he once was. And Asaph said in this wise, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had nigh well slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then what Asaph addresses is what he was looking at. We preached this several months ago on the podcast, but what he's looking at is the prosperity of the wicked. He's looking at others, not looking at God. He's compared himself amongst himself. It's not wise to do that. But he says, for there is no bed, the bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Who's that? The wicked. They prosper. They're not in trouble as other men. They have access to the best health care. They have access to the best lawyers. Rich people normally don't go to prison. It's very rare they go to prison. Why? Because they have riches. They can buy off juries. They can pay judges. They can have the best lawyers. Uh, They have the best of everything. They have personal chefs. They don't get obese. You don't see many obese celebrities unless they're just really, truly gluttonous people. 
Uh, and even those that are obese, they go get surgeries done and they get uh, stomach staplings and things removed and liposuction and get some of that obesity taken away. They diminish and then they make uh, headlines with their weight loss and they sell a book based on their weight loss. And all they did was because they had money. They could afford to go to the Duke Clinic and get cleaned up. They could afford to have their spleen and their abdomen removed and and so they're not plagued like other men. They don't have problems like other men. That's what Job is addressing there. He that is ready to slip with his feet is a lamp despised in the thought of him that is at ease. So they look at those about to fail. They look at those. It's like the guy that's getting his house foreclosed on. All the neighbors around him shutter the windows and close the shades and don't look out the window. Why? Because this guy has not paid his mortgage. This guy's getting his house foreclosed on. You ever heard of a story of neighbors rallying to help somebody so their house doesn't get foreclosed on? I guarantee in this generation, you don't hear those stories. You heard it in generations of past, but you don't hear it nowadays. In a day when millions of Americans were getting foreclosed in the years of, I think, 2007, 2008, in that time frame, uh, where are the celebrities with the money to help these people? I knew a family that was $7,000 behind on their mortgage and had their home foreclosed on. What's $7,000 to a billionaire? What's $7,000 to a multimillionaire? They could have paid and helped pay the mortgages of thousands and thousands of people, just they themselves, but they wouldn't do that. Why? Because that person that's feet are slipping, the person that's at ease is going to ignore them. They don't want to see them. They don't want to look out the windows at their calamity. And again, in the light of prophecy of Job, so it is with Jesus Christ. Men that saw him, where's Peter? Peter's down there warming himself by the fire. Where's Jesus Christ? He's being judged unrighteously. Where's everybody that was there with him when he saw the miracles, when they saw the loaves and the fishes, and they saw him healing? Where are those people at? When Jesus Christ is on the cross, they're not to be found. They fled. They're gone. They're nowhere around. Why? Because Jesus Christ's feet have slipped. He's gone off into calamity. He's gone off into a place that men don't want to deal with. It's like the person in the hospital, rejected of men. The tabernacles of robbers, verse 6, prosper. They that provoke God are secure, into whose hand God bringeth abundantly. And that man that's sick, that man that's afflicted, where are his friends? Where are those that care? Where are those that uh, can meet the need? Very few and far between. Thank God for Christian people. Thank God for God's people. The best people in all the world are still God's people. Many times in days of calamity, uh, there's been someone there to help us, someone there to visit us, someone's there to show consolation. Many times just because of the, the doings of the saints of God, the workings of the saints of God, it's how they live and it's how they operate. It's the, the wonder of this Jesus Christ. And therefore they help others in their calamity. But there's Job is sitting in the ash heap. There he is in the ashes of all those sacrifices, and he's scraping his sores with a pot shirt, and he's sitting there listening to his friends, especially in this case, he's responding so far, and yet Job is going to speak some things later on in this chapter that are absolutely prophetic, absolutely the person of Jesus Christ. He's going to speak things that absolutely are of God, but can they see that? No, they cannot see that. Why? Because they're looking on the outward. They're not looking on the inward. So is the failure of Job's friends. They cannot see the spiritual. They cannot see the other side. All they see are the physical things. That's why they spoke wrongfully. Let this be a lesson for us to guard our tongues. Let this be a lesson to us to keep our mouths shut, because so many times all we can see is the outer. We do not see the inner. Yet God looked upon the heart, and God is going to judge a man according to the deeds of his heart. Have a great Monday. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God 
is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory.